Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Season of Sports with me, Asma Begovic, where it's an exciting time. We have football back. Bundesliga is back. It was back this weekend with a bang. Uh, I'm sure we're all very, as football fans, are happy to have the Bundesliga back in some live action to talk about. And who better to talk about it with me than one of the biggest and most famous footballing voices and commentators around the world, and Derek Ray. Derek, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Yasmir. It's great to be with you. Well, it's it's an absolute pleasure. The pleasure and uh, honor is all mine. Um, as I said, um, I have a huge amount of respect for you and you're one of the most recognizable voices in football around the world. So it's awesome to have you on the pod. Well, it's interesting. It's sort of a role reversal because I've commentated on you down the years. Very <laughs> fond memories, especially at the World Cup in Brazil in 2014 of commentating on your matches. So to have you interview me, I absolutely love it. There you go, right? It's 2020, so these things can happen um, now these days. So, no, it's, it's, it's a cool it's a cool thing. And obviously, thanks for taking the time to come um, and speak to me on the season of sports. Well, we want to talk Bundesliga. I mean, I was, ex- I was as excited as anyone. I mean, I don't remember the last time I was glued to match uh, Cologne against Mainz ever before, like I was this weekend. So, that, <laughs> that, that, was, <laughs> that was pretty cool. How, how did you find having the Bundesliga back? I mean, how was your experience commentating? And being back in the back back in action. Well, it was a bit surreal um, because obviously we have the the main characters from the Bundesliga playing against each other, but of course we're missing a very significant character, namely the fans. And you know from your time in Germany that uh, it's football as it's meant to be in Germany, and that means the fans have an extra special role, I think it's fair to say, in comparison with many other countries. The attraction of German football is, of course, the attraction of a very unique atmosphere. And so that comes down to what the fans normally provide. So there was that emptiness. But on the other hand, there was some very good football. And I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised at the standards when you consider that the players have been off for as long as they have been. And yes, they were back doing full contact training, but really only for a week and a half, and in some cases, less than that. So I was prepared for anything, really. I thought that maybe there'd be, you know, one or two difficulties in recreating the standard that we're accustomed to. But you mentioned that Kern-Mainz game. I thought that was a cracking game. You know, I'm a bit of a Kern sympathizer, I have to tell you. But even allowing for that, and the fact that they let a 2-0 lead slip, uh, it was very entertaining. And so I think it does offer a bit of normality. It's not the full normality. Uh, in these difficult times. But of course, that is going to be reflective of life as a whole. It's going to be a new normal for a while, and we have to get used to it. But I think for most people who are football fans, and certainly football fans in Germany, it was a welcome return at the weekend. Well, absolutely. I mean, um, to touch on a couple things there, I was incredibly surprised at the intensity with the intensity of the games. You know, sometimes (laughs) when you don't have the fans in that atmosphere, I think the intensity of the game and the competitiveness sometimes suffers. But, you know, I, I didn't see that. I, I really saw teams going at it. I mean, that Cologne-Mainz game was a huge example. The, I like the Hoffenheim-Hertha game. I mean, Bruno Labbadia taking over in Hertha Berlin now seems to have them firing. They were really up for it. You know, that kind of stuff. Dortmund, is, as we, we'll touch on in a minute, were as well. So I thought the intensity, especially, as you say, with such a long break, no real preseason games either uh, to talk about. You know, the fact is that they were so ready to go and intense, I thought was was a big, big um, credit to them. And I think just overall, the way Germany have handled this, we have to compliment them because they were, they were quite direct. You know, they, they dealt with uh, this pandemic. You know, they were really concrete with the decision making. 
um, from everyone with the Bundesliga down with, with the government. And that's how we were able to bring football back. So I thought it was an incredible job by everyone. And um, they reached some record figures. I think Sky Sports in Germany revealed over 6 million viewers, which is which is incredible. And I think that's where things will even themselves out because you're, you're giving out people this this interest in watching the Bundesliga again. So I thought it was a really, really good, good product for the first weekend being back after such a long break. And with no fans, I have to give credit to all the players and everyone involved. But I want to touch on a few of the talking points from, from the weekend. Sure. Um, let's, let's talk about Dortmund for, first. I mean, um, 4-0 winners in the, in, the, in the derby against Schalke. Um, Dortmund firing on all cylinders, really. Haaland with, um, you know, continuous rich reign of scoring out 12, 12 goals, I believe, in the Bundesliga since he's arrived. What did you make of Dortmund? I thought they were tremendous. I thought they looked as though they had not missed a beat at all. And yeah. I think maybe my one regret is that because we didn't have fans, we didn't get a typical Revier derby. And this is my favourite derby anywhere in the world, Dortmund against Schalke. I've been lucky enough to commentate from Dortmund each of the last three years with fans inside the stadium in this particular fixture. And maybe we saw something that will be a trend. Time will tell, Asmir. But maybe we saw that if you have a team that is superior, and at the moment Dortmund are superior to Schalke, that really is almost exacerbated when you don't have the crowd factor. Because, you know, when you have 80,000 people inside, and, you know, I should probably ask you about this as, as a goalkeeper, as, as a player who's played at the highest level inside a packed stadium, then it does change the dynamic. But if you just have, you know, one team playing another team when one team is is clearly much better, then maybe it, it leads to a different outcome. Maybe that's a separate discussion. But I, I did think that Dortmund were excellent. Julian Brandt I was particularly happy for, uh, playing in his best position. I actually thought he would play deeper because they didn't have Axel Witzel and Emre Chan. I thought Brandt might slide in beside Thomas Delaney in that deeper position. But playing high up, he was superb. You mentioned Haaland. I mean, he is just such a, an unusual talent, an extraordinary talent, and we're very blessed to see him. And it tells you all about the strength of this Borussia Dortmund side, that they were able to withstand the absence of Jadon Sancho, and then young Reyna was supposed to play, but he got injured in the warm-up, so that created a place for Torgan Azar. And, you know, it's just a conveyor belt of attacking talent. You still worry about them against better teams because of maybe the softness at the back, and, you know, that can manifest itself from time to time. But they're a formidable squad. They're a watchable squad. Um, Rafael Guerrero is another one who maybe we don't talk enough about, but he's having a fabulous season. Um, Dahoud came in and played in that deeper position beside Delaney that I mentioned. It was just a complete performance by Borussia Dortmund, and um, Schalke, unfortunately for them, couldn't lay a glove on them. No, absolutely. I mean, it did. Dortmund just didn't let Schalke breathe. I mean, I think that the, their their intensity, their pressing, their approach to the game um, was was first class, and I think that showed in their performance, and of course, showed in the result. And you know, it's funny you touch on that big team, little. Th I mean, that sort of atmosphere. What I thought, I, I thought it would actually help teams like Schalke mm. because you wouldn't have eighty thousand people behind Dortmund and um, maybe giving them that that little bit more energy. So it's it was a little bit surprising to see how the big guns really um, just took care of business, even though they didn't have that support, didn't have to deal with that crowd um, crowd issue. So uh, Dortmund, as you say, up you know incredibly stacked, um, just sort of an array of 
offensive talent um, and whoever they put in and whatever gap and whoever goes out injured, they just fill, fill them in with another world-class player. So I thought they were very, very impressive. Now we want to move, I want to move a little bit on to Bayern. Um, tricky game at Union Berlin, of course, um, never, never an easy place to go to, no matter what the circumstances. Um, but I thought they took care of business. Um, very workmanlike professional performance more than anything. I would, I would say, um, a 2-0 win there. Who else? Lewandowski scores the first. And, of course, Pavard uh, finishes it off. I thought they looked, again, very, very strong, very solid in cruise control. What did you make of them? Yeah, I agree. I, I thought Bayern did more than enough to win the game. We know they can probably scale dizzier heights than this if they have to. But it was about getting three points against a competent Union. Um, again, to come back to the crowd factor, I, I think that took away from the effectiveness of Union. Just imagine that fixture uh, in the packed stadium that is the Stadion under Alten Försterei. Uh, most of the people, of course, stand rather than sit there. And it can be a raucous place. And, you know, that can be very much a 12th man for them. But not having the 12th man... I think took away something. Uh, Union tend to rely on quite a direct style with set pieces, with Christopher Trimmel's delivery. Um, they weren't able to have Sebastian Anderson starting the game, so that was to their detriment too. And I think we saw on this one just when you have, similar maybe to Dortmund Schalke, but um, maybe more exaggerated, when you have really top world-class performers up against more honest journeymen and you don't have the normal dynamic with the crowd, then it usually is going to lead to a fairly comfortable win for the much better team. Um, again, I thought Bayern were not as impressive as Borussia Dortmund. Maybe they didn't have to be, uh, but I didn't think yeah. there were any sort of shining lights in the Bayern team. I didn't think anybody absolutely took the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, but, you know, Kimmich and Thiago did what they've been doing in the centre of midfield, and, and they've been really dominant. I've been impressed with that that duo. Um, Alfonso Davies, um, you know, I love watching him, and I think everybody does now. And, you know, who knew that he was going to end up being a left-back when Bayern signed him? But he's made that position his own, and he's formidable going up and down that left-hand side. He was maybe as good as anybody on the pitch for Bayern in this game, and, and Benjamin Pavard on the other side. I've enjoyed his performances this season too. So uh, Bayern were my tip at the start of the season to win the Bundesliga again. I know a lot of people thought there might be a changing of the guard, and there still might this season, but uh, Bayern with this advantage, and they've maintained that advantage, and it is going to be difficult for somebody to take them out. Derek Ray joining me here in the season of sports. We're talking all things Bundesliga of this past weekend. Just to touch a little bit on Bayern there, Derek. Um, I think that that's going to be the incredible part because now both teams really are full strength almost. You know, I think they're they're almost yeah, there's a couple of injury niggles and all that kind of stuff, and you want them, you know, Niklas Sula to come back and Axel Witzel and Emery Chan for Dortmund, of course. But you know that that that's what amazes me with Bayern. You have. Hernandez, who it was, what was he, 60, 70 million or something, yep. you know, extraordinary figure spent on him and he can't get into the side. Um, I think you have some really good talent on both benches. So both teams are, are quite healthy and a good spot to really kind of give the last few games a really good go. So I'm really curious to see how this title race, you know, runs its course because I do think it's a two horse race really at the end of the day. So uh, and a couple other teams I want to touch on. I thought, the one thing that really impressed me this weekend, Derek, and I don't want to see your thoughts, I thought Hertha Berlin um, had a bit of a turbulent first half of the year and just with everything with Klinsmann and so many things going on. But 
you know, they've looked really strong. Bruno Labadia, as we know, is a great coach and someone who um, has his team playing with high intensity and just a lot of passion. I thought they've steamrolled Hoffenheim in a way. I, I thought they were very impressive. I completely agree. And I didn't necessarily see it coming. I was a bit concerned about Hertha going into this game with a new coach, obviously a very experienced coach in Bruno Labadia, but again, a team that hadn't had a lot of sessions under its belt, so to speak. And so, you know, what were we entitled to expect from Hertha going to Zinsheim? They didn't have a very good record historically away to Hoffenheim, but they delivered uh, and and then some i thought it was a, a complete performance um and and you'll enjoy what i'm i'm going to say next because i, I thought vedadi bisevich was tremendous yes. I, I i thought really we saw the know-how of ibisevich in evidence and i always think that um he's the kind of player who if you just kind of and i try and do this when i'm not commentating you just watch him for five or ten minutes at a time don't watch anybody else but ibisevich and just the, the sort of the overall cleverness of his game, you know, an experienced campaigner now. But um, I, I thought he was, you know, absolutely standout performer in this game. Mateus Cunha, of course, adds a bit of flair now that they have him on board. And um, Dedrick Boyata, another player who um, people in the UK will know. Um, I watched him a lot when he was at Celtic. And he's had a good season for Hertha too. But of course, just this uncertainty surrounding the club. And they have designs on becoming, you know, they talk about it a lot in Germany, a big city club, a true big city club. And probably, you know, a city like Berlin should have a, a big city club. It's a bit of an anomaly that they don't. Um, but, you know, this season has been all about chopping and changing and not really being sure what direction they're going in, you know, from Antichovic and then to to Jürgen Klinsmann in charge, and, and that wasn't a happy marriage. Uh, and of course, Lars Windhorst, the, the major investor who has real designs on making this a, a big city club. Um, they just added Jens Lehmann to the board, Jens Lehmann, who I've worked with a, as a commentator and can be a controversial figure in Germany, can be a bit polarizing, but but he's part of the board set up now. But Bruno Labadia um, is, and you use the words passion there, he is a passionate coach. And, and that is his personality. And I think that really came through. And yes, people have focused on the celebrations um, after a couple of the goals that were perhaps excessive at a time when everybody is is attempting to you know adhere to the, the rules in place um, so, so that you know we don't see swarming and we don't see the usual celebrations that we've become accustomed to. Uh, but as Bruno Labadia said, you know, cut us a little bit of slack this first time. We were very happy to be back. We have to get used to it all. Uh, and certainly on, on a playing front, Hertha were excellent as we are. Yeah, no, absolutely. Led by Labadia and, of course, Ibisevic, the captain of Hertha Berlin, is a great friend of mine. I always you know, enjoy playing with him, and I think he's been such a great player because he plays with such great purpose, you know. Um, he's direct. He's your classic number nine. He's that striker. You feed him. He will score. Um, he gets in those positions, as you say, that he knows where the goal is, and He's just guaranteed goals, and he's doing it now. I think with the age of 35, um, he's just he's just one of those players that you'll always want in your team, and obviously just a great leader as well. So um, they're very lucky to have him. Um, the last couple of points I want to touch on first Leverkusen, um, big win against Werder Bremen, um, four to one. Um, Kai Havertz with two goals. Are we saying that Kai Havertz is that next wonder kid to come out of Germany? Um, I know he's been on the scene a little bit, but he seems to really be taking that next step 
as potentially a world-class player. How do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on Kai Havertz? Well, I think it was interesting that this was the Monday game and obviously a lot of people were watching German football uh, this weekend, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. But to have a standalone game with Kai Havertz involved, I think meant that people would have been cu curious to see just how good he is. And obviously I've been watching him for a few years now and I, I think he is an incredible talent, a very special talent, maybe even a, a once-in-a-generation talent. I think, Asmir, what really strikes me about him is that he's a little bit unorthodox in terms of how we view traditional playmaking types. You know, he's tall, for one thing. He can score with his head, as we saw in this game, but that's not what you immediately think of with, with Kai Havertz. You think about his weight of pass. You think about his vision. You think about his ability to score from long range with that left foot of his. And he does have the ability to to absolutely dominate. And, and this was a dominant performance by Kai Havertz. And I've actually received a few texts um, just in the last few hours from people who watch this game and, and you know, are not um, as big fans of German football as I am. Um, and most of the texts said, oh, yeah, okay, I see what you've been talking about these last couple of years, you guys who cover the Bundesliga in terms of, of Kai Havertz. But I think the great thing about Leverkusen is it's not just Havertz, but they do have a, a platform for him with the way they play. And I, I always look at, at little sort of statistical items with regard to teams. And Leverkusen are this sort of weird combination of a very good team in possession the second only to Bayern in the Bundesliga in terms of being able to possess the ball. But for all that, and I know Peter Bosch, the coach, is very proud of this, they consistently lead the Bundesliga in the running statistics as well. Uh, and that is a rare combination. Normally the teams who, um, as you know, who lead when it comes to, to the running stats are the teams who are defending a lot, who are, are chasing much more. But they have this, this unique combination and, of course, we saw another very talented young player in Florian Wirtz at 17 making his debut, the youngest ever player to line up for Leverkusen in the Bundesliga, third youngest ever. And there is an awful lot to like about Leverkusen. They're not a, a traditionally followed club in the sense of Borussia Dortmund or Eintracht Frankfurt or teams like that. Um, they're more of a family club, obviously founded originally by employees of the Bayer pharmaceutical company. But uh, I spent quite a lot of my time in Germany, uh, in the Rhineland, and it's always a pleasure to go to Leverkusen. And they are extremely easy on the eye at the moment. Yeah, they're an absolute pleasure to watch. And uh, it's a huge conveyor belt of talent they produced. And Kai Havertz now is another one coming coming through. And he's, he's been great to watch for sure. Last thing I want to touch on is just a little bit of the bottom of the table. Um, Bremen and Paderborn starting to get cut off a little bit. Um, on 17 and 18 points, respectively. Dusseldorf ahead of him in that relegation spot. Um, do you fear for Bremen and Paderborn? I do, I have to say. I, I fear um, for Werder Bremen, and it you know, pains me to say that because I, I view... Yeah, uh, yeah I'm sure you and I are the same. We, we sort of think of Werder Bremen as, as one of the big clubs, you know, as a club with a, with a tremendous tradition, won the Bundesliga four times, the DFB Pokal, on six occasions. And, you know, I remember the great Bremen teams I used to watch when I was a young student back in the 1980s. And to see them struggle, they've only been relegated once before, to see them struggle in a relegation position. And also to just sort of look at the performances and find scant evidence of, of anything positive to say about them um, is disappointing. Um, it will be interesting to see if they stand by 
the coach, Florian Kohfeldt. And I think he's an excellent coach. I'm sure that if the worst were to come to the worst, he would land somewhere else because um, he had done brilliantly with them last season. And I certainly didn't think they would uh, be plumbing the depths the way they are. But confidence is just at such a low ebb. The injury situation hasn't helped this season. Um, the signings they've made haven't necessarily helped either. Davy Zelke has struggled. Um, so I, I think that it's going to be difficult for them to, to get themselves out of it. Paderborn, probably the same. They went into the campaign not necessarily expecting to stay up. Their business model is not one where they absolutely you know demand to, to have top flight football. Um, and you know they're an interesting team because it's sort of the bargain basement um, team in terms of the signings. And quite refreshing, I actually find that, that some of the players who have ended up in the, the Bundesliga, you know, were third division players, you know, Regionalliga, fourth division players, not all that long ago, and getting a taste of the big time. And they put in tremendous effort. They could actually have won this game um, near the end, although Fortuna hit the woodwork four times. And disappointing for them that they didn't get the victory. As you said, uh, they're in the, the relegation playoff position at the moment. But to answer your question, Asmir, I think for Werder Bremen and Paderborn, it's not looking good. No, no, absolutely. Like you just said, Paderborn probably expected to be in one of those positions, you know, um, with expectations. But of Bremen, I don't think so. It would be a huge loss for the Bundesliga. But then hopefully they might be replaced with a couple of giants uh, with Hamburg and Stuttgart potentially looking to get promoted from the second division. So uh, we'll see what happens. But Derek, listen, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I can't thank you enough for your time, for joining us here in the Season Sports. People, make sure you follow Derek on Twitter. He's at, at Raycom. Um, great insight. And, of course, listen to him commenting a lot of Bundesliga games and just overall football. Um, in the future, Derek, really appreciate your time. Take care of yourself. Hope your family's well and safe. And I uh, hope to speak to you again. Same to you and your family, Asmir, and all the best to you in Milan. As